With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. It's been said that today's generation or the past generations don't really understand today's generation. They don't understand millennials. They don't know what they're thinking. They don't know what they're going to do. And that's little mini air quotes in, because a lot of them, they don't save, they don't save for retirement. They don't like to have long-term careers. They'd like to do things for a year, then change and do something different. Um, but that's not true, right? We stereotype a little bit too much sometimes in this world. And today we're going to talk about that, about the millennial generation getting involved in business and how they do it. And we're going to learn how they do it in real estate. And specifically, not everyone has $100,000, $300,000 to buy in real estate. Not everyone's a qualified investor. And we've had some real estate investors on where you need a lot of money in order to get involved. Today's guest is going to talk about how not only you can get involved as a millennial or with a millennial, but you can do so four very affordable pieces so you can add income without having to wait for your 401k for the next 40 years. You can start to drive income right now into your life without a ton of money out of your pocket. It's a really cool program that he runs and um, really excited to talk about it and to dig into his mindset, how he got started and how he can make it work for people running other businesses or people who want to get into real estate as a business for themselves. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Appreciate you being here. As always, we are brought to you by powertexting.com on C-Suite Radio. Powertexting.com is a great platform to stay in touch with prospects and clients through text versus email. Um, and they give away a free trip to one person from every show. So um, stay tuned to learn how you can get um, qualified to win that trip. It's super fun, very cool places, four and five star resorts. Uh, as always, one of the things we're gonna talk about is how do you get clients? Because when you, whether you go on a show or whether you speak from stage or whether you do Facebook advertising or other things in social media, there's lots of different ways to get clients. So how do you do so in an easy way without spending a ton of money on marketing or advertising? That is my forte, so definitely grab my book at freebookfromadam.com and it's eight ways to get more clients without spending any money on advertising. It's step-by-step -step everything you need to know, and it's a quick, easy read, and hopefully kind of funny. Um, so definitely grab that. Definitely stay tuned for more information on the trip. But without further ado, my guest has been in, on, an entrepreneur for his entire life, but he really got into it after he graduated from Lyle Marymount, grew up in California, immersed himself in real estate and learned the ins and outs of it and has built a business around turnkey rentals. So finding properties for people that don't have time, understanding, or the desire to do it themselves, but buy a turnkey rental ready to go 
that can just start driving revenue. Antoine Martel, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I'm excited about the conversation. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah. So there's a lot we're going to cover in the next 25 to 30 minutes, but I want to start with, you said that you've been an entrepreneur your entire life. Like what was the first thing? Were you like selling your parents on getting more money and getting out of chores? What was the first thing you did where that really appeared? I think one of the very first things was there was a couple of things happening. My mom had a, um, my mom had a low carb health store. So she had a retail store. It was like a low carb store. She just opened it up. I was eight years old <laughs> and I was there at the store with the, she hired somebody to like stack the shelves and um, like a product manager kind of person to take all the f- stuff out of the boxes and set up the store really. And I was there and I was there every single day setting up the store with my mom because it was summer break or whatever the case was. And um, they just, I asked my mom about it a couple months ago. She was like, yeah, we, you know, we saw as you just like as a little eight year old boy, you were setting up stuff on the shelves and you were telling the product manager where stuff should actually go. And no, this shouldn't go here. This should go over here. And, you know, so helping set up the whole store unpacking boxes, using a box cutter at eight years old, to open these boxes, take product out and then helping the product manager who's been in it for 30 years, whatever, getting her tips on where the stuff should go. Right. Um, then after that, working the cash register at that store and um, they can just really tell that I was different and unique and that I really loved business and um, that I had a keen eye for it and, and about product knowledge and how to place products and stuff like that. And then also just um, speaking with customers, like I wasn't shy at all to speak with customers or to talk to people and to check them out, even though I was still eight or 10 years old. And then, so that's really the first thing, the first sign. And then a couple of years later, uh, my neighbor had a plum tree. We were probably like 11 or 12 every summer when the tree would bloom. Um, we would take, or every fall we would take down all the fruits and put it all the plums and put it into a wheelbarrow, go wheelbarrow it around the whole neighborhood and sell plums five for a dollar or whatever the thing was. And that plum tree was, was dry. I mean, it was <laughs> as soon as those plums were ready, they were stripped out of there and put on a wheelbarrow and, and wheelbarrowed around the neighborhood. So, um, that, I mean, and then like I got into importing and exporting stuff when Alibaba first started, um, from Alibaba, from China, importing and exporting, I started a couple of businesses through that importing and exporting. So yeah, literally my whole entire life, I've always been that entrepreneur, always selling something, always trying to make extra money here or there doing some little odd job. That's really cool. And I know we're going to jump ahead and then we'll probably jump back a little bit. But when when was it that you started putting systems in place and started putting a framework around your business like you have today? Yeah. So that was probably in the last two years, I've really started to, you know, hire people on and like split up tasks and build a CRM system, like a custom CRM system, because nobody built a CRM for know, turnkey rental property flipping. Right. Um, so we literally built our own, built our own system on the Zoho platform, Zoho CRM. So we track all our projects there. We hired a, you know, a sales manager. We have an acquisitions team now. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, just in the last two years, we've really taken our business and put systems in place. And it's something that I never did for my past businesses. Um, of course, cause it was like, you know, importing and exporting stuff. And it was just me, you know, after school, just alone in my dark room, trying to make some extra money, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. And, but in this, and you probably, I mean, it sounds like you knew you were going to be an entrepreneur that that was what you were going to do, but you still went to get a traditional four-year college education. Yep. Um, 
in entrepreneurship. So my major was entrepreneurship as well. Okay. At the so you went specifically because I was going to ask, why did you do it? And what did <laughs> yeah. you learn from it that yeah. allowed you to, to graduate and then still take the entrepreneurial path versus follow yeah. probably 90% of your classmates who yeah. went on to get jobs? Yeah. I think it was out of our class. I think like out of the entrepreneurship program, I think two or three of us started something after and then two of them have since failed so i think it's me and i think it's me and one other guy who are still running something um the other guys either failed and went and got regular jobs so yeah i mean we i i've been an entrepreneur my whole life knew that's what i want to do but just didn't have that business idea or that business take off yet from all the stuff that i had done before so i was like all right well might as well go to university as a backdrop um and let me study entrepreneurship let me see how you know with a traditional entrepreneur is supposed to look like. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was helpful to kind of see, um, cause some of the classes were pretty hands-on. There's not much many universities that actually do entrepreneurship, um, as a major. So, you know, you learn how to raise money, how to create a pitch deck, how to speak with investors. Um, they bring in a lot of investors into the program. Um, and also entrepreneurs who have started big companies, like the owner of Costco came and spoke with us and all this kind of stuff. So it was really great, like seeing how a bunch of different people started their companies throughout that program. Um, and I chose to do that instead of like typical business management program, just because it was more like, um, bootstrapping and more like how to go from zero to one instead of like, Oh, managing a, a big business and stuff like that. You know, it's, it wasn't really relevant to me because that was so far down the line. It's like, no, I don't care about managing people yet. I'm by myself. How do I go from zero to one? And so I think that, you know, going through that program actually helped me a little bit um, with that mindset about how to get started. And, and the, the title of, the, of this podcast is the entrepreneur's MBA lessons that you can't learn in school. And so now, I mean, you did, you had some before, then you yeah. went to school where, you know, hopefully they taught you a little about the, the hustle that it takes to build your own business. Yep. But now you're out of school. And so when, when you're looking back, the lessons that you're learning in hiring employees and that you're learning in doing remote business, and we'll talk about uh, the fact that a lot of your business is remote or the properties are remote from where yep. you are, um, what, what translated? And more importantly, what did you learn after the fact that you wish they would have taught you in school yeah. that you've learned in the last couple of years. Yeah, I know it's, it's a big question. That's for sure. And I think that, um, you know, you learn about a lot about like, about how to act and ways to be ways to act, ways to pitch, how to put things together and how like professionals actually professional entrepreneurs, or if you're going to raise money for a GC from a VC, how things are supposed to, are supposed to look like on a very professional very software focused, um, mindset. So I think it was helpful and it was just helpful experience. Um, in terms of like the education, I mean, every single entrepreneur story is different, right? So it doesn't really, you can listen to stories all day long and every single story is different. I listened to another podcast. It's literally called how, how I started or something like that. It's literally about 30 minutes about how entrepreneurs started their companies. Right. Um, yep. and you go listen through all those shows and every single one of them is different. Um, so, I mean, there, there's certain things about, you know, about hiring people that, you know, come into effect, like little keys and pointers to keep aware of. But I think the one thing that they didn't teach me that, you know, I learned later on was, you know, how much work it, it actually takes. Um, and I guess that you kind of get that from some of the stories that people tell you, right? Like, yeah, I was, you know, working for last 10 years from 7am to midnight every single day. And, finally got burnt out. So I sold my company and that's literally how, 
how it feels. And that's how I've been running the last, since I graduated the last couple of years and, you know, really putting that into perspective, like, you know, do you really want to go and start a company? Cause this is how much time it's going to take out of you. Um, and so you really better love that, that thing that you're going to start because you're going to be enthralled in it from every single waking moment of your life. Yeah. Let's dig into that a little bit. So, um, you know, entrepreneurs, every entrepreneur you, that I talk to, and I've had 70 on this show and obviously I've met, um, hundreds more in my life. Um, ultimately the hustle is more important than the product or service. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the hardest part to, to, to wrap your brain around, yeah. especially in figuring out what it is you're going to do, right? Cause some people have an idea to change exactly. the world. Others know they want to do something and they begin to look for an idea. It looks like you began to look for an idea yep. in your life and you, you're a realtor and then became an investor um, while you were in school. Right. And then yep. now we're doing it for others. So why real estate? And when you're hustling as a real estate investor, you've got to find properties and you've got to find people and you've got to build systems. Where do you put that hustle or where did you put that hustle? Yeah. Yeah. So the first two years, so my story goes back five years to when I was first introduced to real estate. Those first two years were literally hustling, trying to figure out how the hell I can make money in real estate. So hustling, trying to flip houses in LA. Okay. It didn't work. Hustling, trying to wholesale houses in California. Okay. It didn't work. Hustling, trying to, you know, and every three months or six months I would pivot my, my strategy completely. And you have to go hard. You have to, you know, put a lot of time into each strategy to really vet it out. Right. You don't want to cross something off the list, um, and give up too early and you don't want to give up too late. So it's a really fine line of of what's, what's the right point to, to actually pivot. And so I would give it, I would just, you know, set up, be like, all right, I've been trying this for three months. This is why it's not working. And this is why I don't see it changing in the future. I'm changing my entire business model, something else. So I did that for literally two years straight, flipping houses locally, flipping houses out of state, wholesaling locally, wholesaling out of state, finally landed on rental properties and rental property investing and building a portfolio out of state. And, you know, with my time budget and the resources that I had made through those three months, I, I was able to actually go and buy that first deal out of state. And I was like, all right, well, this thing is finally something's working. And so now let's, take that and go from one house to you know a million houses and how big can we big build this thing? And what were some of the things that, that proved to you that some of the other concepts weren't going to work? Yeah. 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 Good question. So the biggest one is just my resources. So like investing, especially in California, takes a lot of cash and it takes a lot of your own cash and also a lot of other people's money. Um, also the deals are very slim. The margins are very slim. You're dealing with a lot of people who do have 2 million bucks in the bank. We only had 40 grand. So when we were looking at it at the end of the day, you have to pay, you know, a realtor, you have to pay a hard money lender. You have to pay your equity partners or your private money lenders. And so at the end of the day, I was like, all right, we put in our 40 grand, our last 40 grand. It's a one real estate deal. If it goes South and it's our first deal. So chances are pretty high. Um, you know, what, you know, we're going to lose it all and risk all these people's money. It just didn't really make sense for us. And then like with some other strategies, like wholesaling properties, I mean, I just went and met with a bunch of wholesalers in LA and I was like, how much are you guys spending per month to get one deal? And Oh, we're spending 25 grand to get a deal every month. And I'm like, well, you know, my business, I'll be around for two months. And if I get anything, <laughs> right, you know, right. so it was kind of those things. And it was really heavily just based on the networking. So I would do research and, you know, this is what flipping houses looks like. This is what wholesaling looks like. This is what rentals looks like. 
And then, okay, now let me go meet some people in LA who are doing those things and who's the most successful and what's working. And then, okay, let me try this. Let me try this and constantly just pivoting and meeting new people. And, and that's a great point. Obviously networking is a great point, but, but the bigger point is you said that, you know, a lot of the hustle was research. Yep. Like it, it wasn't just like you were hustling out there, knocking on doors and trying to make it work. You no. actually spent time being thoughtful about, is this the right market? Is this the right thing for me? Are these the right people? What do I do? Yep. And, th and that's something that translates to every business, whether it's real estate or anything else. A lot of people don't do research. They go and they say, oh, I, and I'm not going to, because here's my wife's in a network marketing. They're like, I'm a network marketing company. And they're like, <laughs> that product is the one. And then they go out and try and sell it yeah. to everyone they know. Um, thankfully, we, we take it for the product and uh, she does other stuff to make money. But a lot of people get something and then they go and try and sell it right away. And yep. they don't research the product, the market, who yep. the buyer is, who their ideal client is, which is one thing I, I big time focus on with my people is what's the product, what's the value that it brings to that client, who's that client and how do you make those work? Yeah. When you were doing the research, is that something in you or is that something you learn by banging your head trying to sell things early and finding out it didn't work? Yeah, I mean, a couple of, it, the research was, was big when I got into the real estate side of things. Before my other company, it was just like, oh, I can buy this for this and then I can sell it for this. And I was like, all right, let me just buy as many as I can. And you try to estimate the demand, but it was very fast, right? I mean, you could do it like in a one night, I could flush out an idea for a product and you know have the order coming in the next three weeks and I'll sell it you know three weeks after that, right? Because I can, you can look at the demand on Amazon or eBay or whatever. So that was something that I didn't do so much before, but then when I got into real estate, it was like, um, okay, now I'm flipping a, you know, $50,000 product, you know, I'm going to buy it for 30, put 20 into it and sell it for 70 or whatever, or 60,000 bucks. So, okay, let me do a little bit more research about the rents, the market, the cash flow, the, the major employers, uh, the crime rate, you know, there's all these other things that you have to look into. Um, so I think that, yeah, and it's not fun. Like nobody loves doing, I mean, maybe some people do, but like I didn't, everybody <laughs> just wants, if you're an entrepreneur, you just want to get things going right as fast as possible. And yep. literally spending two years of, of that time, just researching, not doing a deal and meeting all these damn people. I was like, I'm sick of this shit. I want to get things going and moving and I want to start making money. And, but it takes time to, to figure out what's going to work and flushing out every single idea. And then, and then really building that team. Right. So building the team to help you, you know, find a property manager, a contractor, a realtor, those things then take even, even once you know the market, it's like, all right, now I need to find people in the market. And then with those people, then I have to find a house. So it's like a whole series of research questions that you need to go through and vetting people out um, in order for you to have success. That's so important. And I, and I want to talk a little bit about the, the team aspect of it, because um, I have a lot of solopreneur clients. Yeah. And they, you know, they say, I've got no, no employees. I'm a solopreneur, but they've got vendors that they work with. They've got partners, they've got joint ventures, they've got attorneys, they've got people that are in their world. They look at them not as part of their business, but in real estate specifically, and you, uh -huh. the way you talk about it, all of these people that you work with are part of your team, whether you want to call yep. them employees, vendors, team, whatever, uh -huh. you look at them like that and treat them like that. Yep. How did you identify those people as 
team versus vendor? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that that's saved my ass because I think that way. So like a lot of people will treat their contractors or their realtors just as like that person works for me kind of thing. Now I'm partnering with those people who other people will treat as just a commission or pay out a commission. Those people are now funding deals with me, flipping houses with me. They're partners on my apartment buildings with me because I thought of them as a team and I never like, and I always brought them into the deal and always, you know, made them feel you know, like I knew what their end goal was like, Hey, what do you want to, what's your goal out of this? I know you're not just here to make a commission 3%, like what the hell? That's nothing for you. Right. So what's your long-term goal? What do you want to do? And then, okay, how can I help you have success, which you're going to bring me more deals to make more commissions so that we can do X together. Right. So I don't know, just really early on, I think that I had a conversation with, with somebody on, on one of my teams in one of the markets and, and they were just, you know, telling me stories about people who had a turnkey company before that they used to use and they just ended up getting too greedy. Um, and they started, you know, not thinking of those people as their team. And then people were like, well, screw you. I'm not going to, you know, manage all your projects anymore or give you deals. Like I hate working with you now. So my big thing is always be like very easy to work with. Um, and even if that means I need to write a check to get something done to make all parties happy, I'll write the check. Um, cause I'm, I'm thinking long-term and I want people to continue to work with me, continue to send me deals, continue to want to manage my projects. Right. Because out of state, I have very little leverage. Um, right. <laughs> so, right. you know, I, I can't go and drive around. Like those people are, um, the clones of me on the ground and I want them to do business as I would. And, you know, so they, I have to think of them as my team cause they literally are my, my boots on the ground and I have to treat them right. And I will continue to do so. I love it. I love it. We're talking to Antoine Martel on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. As I said, we're brought to you by powertexting.com and they give away a free trip to one listener of every podcast episode, four and five star resorts. There's, I believe, 13 in the, now 12 in the States, a few in Mexico and uh, one in Bali, one in Phuket and one in Spain. Um, they pay for the hotel stay, so you can just go and enjoy yourself. One person is going to win that. Go to podcasttrip.com, and you can win that trip. So, Antoine, I want to circle back to you talked about you you tried to flip houses, which in L.A., obviously, we watch those of us who have done real estate or who like to watch HGTV, we, yep. we see what uh, whatever Christina and <laughs> Tarek go through yeah. buying like a, a shithole property for $700,000 and hoping yep. to sell it for a million one. And then you try to wholesale. And for those who aren't in real estate, wholesaling is just finding a property at a price where you can flip it to another investor and they can make money on it. Um, and, um, and then you, wanted to do out of state and you looked out of state and then you settled on turnkey rentals. So number one, why didn't you just raise a whole bunch of money and buy a ton of rentals for yourself yeah. out of state? And then two, what the hell's a turnkey rental and how can people benefit from that in their Questions. own lives? Yeah. So I'll tell you that story. So it was my last semester at LMU. I didn't want to graduate and work for some, somebody else. I wanted to do my own thing. So throughout those last two years while I was at university, I was studying real estate, finally landed on out-of-state turnkey rentals, did a bunch of research on Memphis as a market. I found a little team there, which was literally just a property manager and a realtor. And I said, you know, I went to my dad and said, hey, we can buy this house for 40 grand, put five grand into it as worth 60 grand after, and we'll just do a refinance, pull the money out. Let's try it. So a couple of months before graduating, 
bought that house, uh, renovated it, rented it out. Everything was smooth. Cash out refinance with the local credit union, pulled the money out, went back to my dad and said, Hey, I can keep doing this after graduating. Like I love this. It's super fun. This is my first deal ever. Right. So yeah, it was like a big deal as a 20 year old or however I was old I was. And then I was like, um, yeah, I want to keep doing this after graduating. Let me keep doing this. Let me try to grow the portfolio for the family. Um, so graduated in May, by the end of the year, we had 10 single family homes in Memphis. And I was like, I was like, holy crap, like we're now where I can, where can I take this and stuff like that. And people started reaching out to me to, to us, like as a family, just to buy rental properties out of state. They didn't want to do the whole renovation, but they saw what we were doing, whether it was at like, you know, dinners or, you know, meeting, having people over at our house and people started buying properties in our portfolio. We started just selling them properties in our portfolio, uh, giving them the property manager, helping them get financed with the lender we were using, giving them the insurance company because we were using that same insurance company. And that's how the turnkey business started. So we would now buy, buy two properties and we would refinance one of them and sell the other one, you know, buy two buy four properties, refinance two, sell two. And that's kind of how the business just continued to grow because we were able to use the profit to then buy more properties and just kept the cycle going. Yep. Uh, and that's how that business has grown today to where we're doing over 100 homes a year now. Um, so it's really taken off over the last two years. Um, and are and those all in Memphis? Those are in Memphis. We added markets after that. So Memphis, Cleveland, Birmingham, and St. Louis. We're in four different markets now. Yep. And then what a turnkey rental is to answer your question is, um, it's a property that you buy that already has, it's fully renovated, has tenants in place, comes with property management, and then we help you get financing and insurance as well. So kind of every person you're going to need, uh, it's for somebody, you know, busy working professional who doesn't want to invest in the stock market, wants to get into real estate, but maybe only has 20 or 50,000 bucks and can't go and invest in a huge apartment building or even a syndication for that matter. Um, they need to start small and, you know, take the steps up to doing bigger things in real estate. And sometimes if you find those smaller properties with a 20 or 30, $40,000 investment, you can get really good cash flow, especially ROI on that $20,000 investment can be huge. If you can pocket 300 bucks a month on 20 grand, you yep, can't make exactly. that anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So typically well, it's two to $300 per month per house. Nice. And so, so you said that you need, you know, research is a big part of what you've done in real estate and, and you have to go to your cities now in Memphis. Um, and when I did real estate, um, 10 years ago, I did it mostly in Phoenix. Um, but there's a big time real estate investor, very well known in the real estate education industry, kind of a guru in that he kind of owned Memphis. I don't know if he still does, but at a time he did now he's out here in Scottsdale and he does a lot of things. When you're looking at a market and researching it, how do you take into account the competition? So the other investors, like when there's a big name person in that city, like we would, you know, if it's Christina and Tarek in Southern California, like they're on TV, so I can't yeah. go to Southern California because they must own it. How do you do that research on the competition? Just like I, you would for a hardware store or yep. for a coffee shop or for a business coach like myself. Yep. Great question. So I got that on, I was on another interview and somebody asked me the same question. And then, um, oh, I thought I was being freaking genius right there. You were, I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you were, I'm just kidding. Um, nobody's asked me that before. Um, so we, I mean, for me, there is a couple of big like turnkey providers already or people who are buying all these rental properties. You can go to the public records and see it. 
And like, I didn't think of it as like, oh, there's too much competition here. I'm not gonna be able to find deals. I thought of it reverse. I was like, all right, I knew, I knew that this, there was a turnkey company or these guys were buying 20 rentals a month in the sub 100K or around 100K price point. I was like, okay, well, if they can do it and they have all these, you know, they had like 20 people on staff or something like that. I don't know how I figured that out, but they had 20 people on staff. They had this huge team like under them. So I was like, wow, their margins, you know, their margins are going to have to be bigger than mine, aren't they? Because they're going to have to pay for all these people. They have all this overhead. They had offices, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, me, I can go buy the same house and make half as much money because I don't have the overhead. So I'm going to beat them every single time if I place the same offer on that same house, hopefully, um, even though I may not have experience or whatever the case is, you know, eventually I'll win some deals. And it just showed me that there was that amount of inventory in those markets that I was able to purchase. Um, so I kind of saw it as a, as a reverse and I was, you know, kind of took it as, wow, there is a whole lot of inventory here that needs to be purchased. Um, and I can go into this market and really just undercut the competition because I'm a one man show. <laughs> That's fascinating because if something's working in a given market, you can look at it in two ways, right? Scarcity, <laughs> meaning yeah. if it's working, meaning somebody's already got me beat or it's working, meaning it can work for a lot of people. So you took an abundance yeah. mindset. Is that? We have that with every, that's one of our, like our key criteria for our team is just the abundance mentality. And like, even when we're looking at deals, we, we buy 10 houses a month, buy and sell 10 houses a month. So you know, if a deal comes across our desk and we have a bad gut feeling about it, or there's this weird little thing about it, it's just like, all right, pass. Like we don't need to do the deal. We don't need to force anything. If the deal hits all of our numbers and we don't have a weird feeling about it or whatever, then okay, let's move forward with that property. But yeah, we always have that abundance mentality and, you know, don't get too attached to, to a deal, which, you know, happens with a lot of um, beginner investors, they get really attached and they try to force a deal to make it go through because they spent six months trying to get in their contract and they finally do and it doesn't work. And you, you can't force anything in this business and always got to trust your gut, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's interesting that just the way that you put it in that um, you can't force the deal because I learned in my, one of the reasons I don't do real estate anymore is because I forced a lot of deals and I, I learned at one point that the property will tell you what to do with it. You don't tell the property what to do with it, yeah. right? And um, going into it into an area um, where there's other real estate investors and people are having success, and you can join in that success. Yeah. There are ways to partner with them, other yeah. investors, if they can't do a deal. I've got a friend here in Phoenix who invests a lot in Florida and and does turnkey rentals as well, and she gets almost all of her deals from other investors. So can you talk a little bit about, have you found ways to partner with not only your team being your title company and contract and others yeah. that bring you deals, but are there other investors that are like, Hey, I can't make this work. Why don't you take it? We don't get that so much. We get still get a lot of deals off the MLS. We get a lot of deals from pocket listings from realtors just cause we've been doing it for a couple of years now. So realtors will be like, Oh, I'm not going to list this. It's so send it to Antoine and we know he's going to close. He'll give us a, a price because the person wants to get out. It's all cash. He's fast and easy to work with. So those two things and then wholesalers as well. But um, those are really our three biggest ways that we're getting deals. We've tried the whole, you know, direct mail and doing all that kind of stuff. It's really hard from doing it out of state because you don't have the boots on the ground really to walk the houses, do all the visits and stuff like that. Um, but we don't get much from, from other investors just because, there's not many 
other investors doing the turnkey for the neighborhoods that we're doing. Um, they're doing a little bit more higher end, maybe B, B plus. Um, we tend to be in like the B minus C class neighborhoods. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. So for your business, you've got, you need to find people who want the properties. Yep. You need to have partners on the ground to rehab them to, um, the title company, the tile company, the landscaper. Yep. And then since you're doing turnkey, the people that you're getting money from, yep. essentially they've already bought the property. Yep. You're just going to fix them up and give it to them done. Yep. Are you then managing the property for them or do you have another property manager there that takes care of that for them? So it's all third party property management. So again, we started the business just building our own portfolio. So we just found a property management company we liked. And yeah. then once we, once we started selling stuff, we just were like, all right, here's the property management company we use. Feel free to use them. They're the best person that we found in the market. So that's how we do it. So all property managers we use in all the markets are all third party. They're all companies that we've used in the past for our own portfolio. Fantastic. So when, if, if I come to you and I said, I've got 30 grand to invest and whether you can split it across two properties because it happens to work out that way or it's yep. one property, which is more likely, then you fix it up, you give it to me. Do you find the initial tenants or does a property management company? Property management company finds it, but we'll sell it to you with tenants in place already. So you'll buy something, cash flows from day one, then we'll help you get financing and insurance. Oh, awesome. So I, I, I essentially am just buying cash flow. Yep. And the final product. Yep. You just see the professional photos. You don't need to know anything about, you know, the before photos. We'll tell you about the renovation. So you know what was actually done. So you can budget for that later. Um, so we'll tell you that we'll send you the professional photos and we'll send you the lease and then you'll sign the contract and close in 30 days and hope the appraisal comes back good. Nice. And so, and so you've got two different marketing techniques that you have to do. You've got to market to your turnkey buyers. Yep. And you've got them, market to find properties, meaning, yep. you know, just building those relationships. Yeah. Yep. How do you delegate your time? Or, I mean, it sounds like it's more than you now, right? You've got, yep. you've got an internal team as well as an external team that, that works on this, but both are equally important because without one, the, the other doesn't matter. Yep. How do you split your time and split your focus to make sure yep. both work? Yeah. So I actually hired uh, my brother to handle all the acquisition side. So I brought him onto the team. He handles everything acquisitions related. So he can focus on that. I kind of focus more on the the sales side and meeting new clients and seeing who I can help with, you know, who has 20 or 50 grand and has W2 who wants to get into rental. So I focus more. My day is mostly filled with managing the projects we currently have under construction, making sure those are all good. And then really focusing on the sales and building up the business um, finding new clients who either want to you know, invest with us on our apartment buildings or who want to invest and buy rental properties who we can help go down that route. Nice. And, and you're doing this all mostly from Southern California. You have to be in your markets probably once in a while yep. to check on stuff, but the majority of your time is at home. Yep. So everything is through the internet or through the phone, correct? Yep. So I want to translate this just for the folks that are listening that are like, yeah, but I don't do real estate, uh -huh. right? But all of the things that you're doing are no different really than the e-commerce business that you did, whether it was through Alibaba and then selling through eBay or Amazon. Yep. 
you, it's the same business model. Yep. You just happen to choose houses and real estate to do it because you don't take physical possession of anything because you're remote and you've got yep. people that do that for you. Yep. Exactly. Did you yeah. know that going in or was that just <laughs> something that, that turned out to be like, Oh, this is the same skill set. Yeah. I mean, it, it just turned out <laughs> to be that way. I mean, I didn't really think that it was going to go in this direction. Right. Cause now it's a huge marketing thing to, to find those clients for the turnkey company and we're selling high ticket items. Right. So high ticket items, high ticket sales. It's almost like, you know, like a car company pretty much, except we're not building cars, we're building houses and houses make money instead of being a liability. So it makes the marketing a little bit easier, but um, you know, we're still selling high ticket items. It's how do you find those high ticket buyers? I mean, most people's biggest investment of their lifetime is going to be the house, you know, their, the house that they choose to live in. Um, and so, you know, using that and changing people's mindset, there's a lot of education up front. Um, and I learned that too. My mom had a sauce company, my parents had a sauce company after the low carb, the health market kind of went down the hill. Um, they bought, they started selling sauce and they were in Whole Foods and Cost Plus Whole Market and um, Cost Plus World Market. And I learned through that business too, that like it's a whole education process and how do you educate that end consumer? How do you show up in that end consumer's feed and educate them why your sauce is you know, more organic than the, the guy next to you. And how do you do that with just, you know, being on a shelf? It's very difficult. It's much easier online, but being in the whole foods, it's how do you educate just with a label that, you know, our sauce is better than the, all the competitors because of these things. Right. So, so it's a very educational. Um, and that's why I do stuff like this. Like I'm on podcasts, why I create a lot of content on my Instagram because most people just don't know that they can even get into real estate for 20,000 bucks. Right. Everybody thinks it's, 200 or $300,000. And it's just not the case. You can get into rental properties with just 20 grand and, you know, make 30 or 40,000 bucks a year and you can get, you can get a loan as well. Nice. Well, so, um, the, I just love the fact that you, what you've done is made it really easy for people to learn to invest with out having to be investors. Yep right? You, you, you create them. Um, and remind me, I've got a friend who buys notes, um, and then flips them to investors like yourself for turnkey yeah. rentals. Um, and he does it in, in, in the Midwest. And then I've got another friend who has, uh, lots of people who want turnkey rentals, but doesn't have enough inventory. Okay. So remind me to tell you about them. So this is not just educational, but also we make business connections here on the entrepreneurs MBA. <laughs> but, um, one final question. It's a two part question. So as you're building your business, how do you stay ahead of what come next, comes next in your growth? Like, how are you continuing to stay on top and educate yourself about what's the next city or what's the next um, opportunity for me? And at yeah. the same time, how do you look five years down the road and start to look for potholes and roadblocks and recessions? Yeah. Yeah. And how, how are you doing that while building a business? Because it's one of the toughest things for entrepreneurs to do. Yeah, good question. Yeah, so I think that for our current markets that we're in, we're good. We're not looking to add any more markets right now. We don't want to get too spread too thin. So we're good with the markets we're in. Also, the markets that we're in haven't scaled up to a point or 
we have the ability to do more bandwidth and also the, the markets and the neighborhoods are still very cash flow heavy. So I'm going to run that, those markets and those zip codes until they don't make sense cash flow wise anymore. And then I'll just start selling stuff and tell all my clients to sell all their inventory. And then I'll go and look and research for the next market. But I think we have a lot of time uh, before that happens because rent's going up faster than property values in my markets. So I think that's, that's one thing. I think that with that, then I'm able to bring my business from, you know, for the next couple of years, at least from a hundred doors a year to 200 doors a year to 300 doors a year. I think it still has some room to grow. Um, and so what I'm doing personally, you know, is, is moving a lot of my money, you know, from the turnkey company to other things like apartment buildings. So I'm buying some larger apartment buildings in those same neighborhoods, renovating them, um, to kind of help, help the neighborhood and the market as a whole kind of go up because there still is a lot of dilapidated inventory from 2008 um, that just hasn't been turned over yet. The prices are still lower than 2008 um, or the same as 2008. They haven't came back up. Um, so I think that, you know, the turkey business is going to keep growing, hopefully do more and more homes every single year uh, until those markets get priced out. And then also looking at expanding and growing the business into more of the multifamily side of things um, where I can bring on people who, you know, maybe have some more cash, don't want to do the turnkey or did turnkey and it worked out great, but now they want to get into something bigger and bring on people to invest with us in those larger buildings. I love it. I love what you're doing. And we didn't get to the whole millennial thing, but I think everyone gets the point that as millennials, you can invest because it doesn't take as much money as you think it does to get in. And no matter what your age, if you find a market, you find a passion, you can make a business out of it. And you don't have to have years of experience in yep. the corporate world before running your own business. Antoine, and you also can go to um, the millennials guide to real estate investing, uh, which is his podcast. And you can follow him on Instagram at Martel Antoine, Martel, Martel Antoine. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate the knowledge. It was just really fun. And uh, we used up all our time just because I loved what you were talking about. So I just kept <laughs> rolling with it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It was great to be here. Yeah, definitely. Look forward to uh, connecting soon. Thanks everyone for being with us on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.